Keegan Murray didn't have to win Rookie of the Year for the world to know that the Sacramento Kings made the absolute right choice drafting him with the fourth overall pick. On today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, Keegan's coach from Iowa, Fran McCaffrey, is back with me on the podcast to talk about Keegan's rookie season, provide his perspective, and also talk a little bit about his brother, Chris Murray, who is entering the draft and could potentially be on the Kings draft board. You are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off season long. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. The championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same thing with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items, items only. Exclusions apply. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And I had the pleasure of speaking with Coach McCaffrey right before the draft when we were talking about a bunch of different prospects and getting his perspective uh, on Keegan Murray. Uh, and then right after the draft was over, I spoke with Coach McCaffrey again, had him back on the podcast. And that was my favorite episode because I brought up to him this idea about Keegan having a low ceiling. Uh, and not and being more of a safe pick compared to a Jaden Ivey, who is kind of more flashy and exciting that a lot of people thought should have been the pick at number four. And Fran McCaffrey thought that was just absurd. He thought it was absurd that Keegan had a low ceiling or a lower ceiling, and, and he, he always believed that Keegan could be a star. Uh, and while he isn't a star yet in Sacramento, he came in and as a rookie, played his role to perfection. Coach McCaffrey also talked about how great uh, his fit was in Sacramento, and that turned out to be true. So I've been eager to have Coach McCaffrey on again. I didn't want to bug him uh, during the, the season because of all the great work that he's doing over at the University of Iowa. But as you're going to hear in this interview, he kept close tabs on what the Kings were doing. Actually went to a Kings road game uh, at one point to, to watch Keegan in person. I also met Coach McCaffrey in person uh, at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas last year and got to speak with him a little bit there as well. So he's a phenomenal man, a phenomenal coach, and I'm so pleased to have him back here on the Locked on Kings podcast to talk about uh, his former player and Kings rookie, soon-to-be second-year player, and the most successful three-point shooting rookie in NBA history, Keegan Murray. Locked on Kings has been blessed to have the head coach of Iowa men's basketball, Fran McCaffrey, on a couple of times before and just after Keegan Murray was drafted here in Sacramento. Now we have a full year of context where Keegan Murray was not only as a rookie, a starter on a playoff team. He's hit the most three-pointers as a rookie in NBA history, quickly become a fan favorite here. And Coach McCaffrey, I know a lot of Iowa fans were uh, watching Kings basketball this year, following Keegan. Of course, you have all your responsibilities over there, your busy schedule. I'm curious how closely you were paying attention to Kings basketball with the stuff Keegan was doing. Well, I, I kept very close watch. I mean, obviously, he's one of my favorites. Uh, just uh, an absolute delight to coach. Obviously, his brother was on the team, and he was watching very closely. So his family was splitting time being here. And of course, being in Sacramento and then 
you know, his sister was playing in high school. Kenya and his dad was coaching that team for her. So that was quite a busy family. But uh, Chris had a fabulous year for us. We couldn't be more proud of Keegan. I think we all knew uh, after how he played in the summer, Matt, that he was going to be special. Uh, it was only a matter of time. And I think one of the things that you and I talked about last year, I think he was a really good fit for the personnel that they had and, you know, for coach. I mean, like, you know, when I, when I, I spent some time with him, he was like, I, I, I really think Keegan and Kevin Herter in particular were great fits for the other pieces that they had. And I think that proved to be true. And that's why, you know, they did so well and he was coach of the year. So I'm thrilled for the entire franchise, quite frankly. One of the things that we discussed in the second time we we visited and chatted was one of the, I guess, criticisms around Keegan in the draft was that he didn't have as high of a ceiling as other prospects, like a Jaden Ivey necessarily. He was more of like a, a safer pick. Uh, and you thought that was absolutely a, a absurd because of just the skill set that he has and how much he can get better. And here he is coming into the league and uh, even as not a primary focal point of the offense, like I mentioned, he hit more threes than any NBA player in history. A lot of that had to do with his fit. But over the course of his season, we saw him develop as a rebounder, saw him develop and, and attack the basket more aggressively. Every time that Mike Brown would would bring him something to work on, he seemed to really take that to heart and you would see immediate results from that. Uh, so I think that speaks to a little bit of the your comments about the ceiling. Uh, but does that surprise you at all how how much he showed right off the bat and how much growth he showed in just his first season. Not surprised at all. He's an incredibly mature individual with a very mature game. Uh, you, you, you pointed out a couple things things uh, and you were absolutely right. Like he's also a really good post-up player, like a really good post-up player. There's not a lot of posting up in the pros and it, you know, and obviously Sabonis is somebody you're going to post up quite a bit you know, be able to play through him. But if you want to post up Keegan, he's really good. I mean, he's always been a three-point shooter. He can take it off the glass, bring it coast to coast. I do think he can be an elite defender. Uh, and I think the beautiful thing for him this year was how seamlessly he fit into that roster. And we said that a minute ago, but what's most important is he accepted the role that they defined that coach Brown defined for him. A lot of guys like, wait, I want to do more. I can do more. And, you know, maybe he'll prove that over time, but they have some serious weapons offensively. And so those guys are going to get shots. And, you know, I went to the Mavs game down in Dallas. He scored 11 straight and really didn't shoot that much in the second half, mm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, Fox went crazy and, you know, but I mean, it might be Harrison Barnes. I mean, it could be Malik Monk. It could be Sabonis. There's so many options that they have. And Keegan just accepts whatever role they give him, you know, guard, guard this guy. Okay. You know, spot up. Okay. Now we'll get you more involved. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he is, he's, he's an elite rebounder and he'll rebound his position, whether he's playing the small forward or the power forward position, he'll guard anybody from, you know, six feet to seven, two with his length. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for Sacramento fans to just watch him grow and develop. Because I think he's definitely going to be an all-star at some point.
we just conducted exit interviews and he was one of the guys that we talked to and he brought up the fact that uh, his time playing and, and kind of replacing or, or playing next to Luca Garza really helped him uh, with how he kind of adapted and, and accepted his role in Sacramento with with fitting in with Fox, fitting in with Sabonis and playing off of them, despite the fact that he had the capabilities of being the leading scorer if he wanted to, he seamlessly kind of stepped into his role because of the time that he played with Luca. I'm just curious, over the course of watching his rookie season in Sacramento, did you see similar, uh, similarities in his development this year to the development that you saw over the years that he was at Iowa? Absolutely. You know, he came in in a unique position because we had our, we were a two seed the year before and we had our essentially entire starting lineup back. So he was coming off the bench and okay, I'll come off the bench. Now he did play essentially starters minutes in many ways. And he was the first guy to start if somebody else couldn't. Uh, but like you said, we had the leading scorer in the country. We had a guy that was has made more threes than anybody else in the history of Division One basketball except for J.J. Redick. So he's Jordan Bohan's number two. Joe's Wieskamp led the nation in three-point shooting that year at 51%. Uh, Connor McCaffrey led the nation in assist turnover ratio that year. And so the, the roster was pretty well set. So the key for him was to just come in and, okay, well, you're going to start. Okay, you're not going to start. Okay, you're going to – you might get 21 game. You know, we're going to put you on Ron Harper defensively. Uh, and it was just kind of amazing, you know, and I think you saw it. He just accepts whatever responsibility you give him. He doesn't fight you on anything. Uh, I'll guard who you need me to guard. I'll understand the game plan. And, and I think when you look at rookies in that league, the maturity with which he will have approached his craft is really critical. Uh you know, he's going to he's gonna study the scouting report. He's going to watch film. He's not going to be running around town. I mean, he's just not. And and even if you're on the road, like, you know, we're in New York. No, no we're, not, we're not doing that. We're, we're locked in here. You know, we're trying, to, we're trying to win a championship. We're trying to get to the playoffs, which they hadn't done in a while. They did that. And what a series it was. And they came real close to advancing. And I think you look at that team next year and say, okay, why not them? You know, to – to make a deep run and potentially win the whole thing. So, you know, I'm excited for him. I'm excited to continue to watch it, but uh, I am not surprised at all that he did what he did. And I don't think you were either. How well did he uh, respond to your coaching over his time at Iowa? Because Mike Brown would at times would call him out publicly. Mike would make jokes about chewing him out. Most of the time it was he, he'd chew or cuss him out because he wasn't shooting the ball enough or being aggressive enough. And Mike was telling him, Hey, we know your skill set, let it fly type thing. Uh, but he always responded to what Mike Brown needed from. Him. I remember a press conference where Mike started out the press conference. I think it was after a win. And Mike said like, we need better rebounding from Keegan. And over the next string of games, Keegan had seven, six, seven, eight, something like that rebounds uh, and, and just respond immediately so the response that he had to Mike Brown really jumped off the page to me watching him in person but for you it seems like something that he's been doing his entire career is responding to coaching yeah I mean it, it was it was something that you know I don't know if you say it's unique but what do you need me to do coach got it you didn't have to repeat it I I, I never you know and I get asked this all the time 
you know, when you're going through the draft process, a lot of the NBA scouts will say, okay, how did he respond when you had to really jump him? They asked me that about him. They asked me about that, about his brother, Chris. Hmm. And I said, I never did. And I don't know if they believe me or not, but like, I never raised my voice to Keegan Murray for the two years I had him. I never raised my voice to Chris Murray the three years I had him. I would encourage him, uh, kind of like Mike did. I remember early in his freshman year, he was seemingly a little, seemingly a little overwhelmed with a scouting report before a big game, you know, one of those packed house national TV games. It's early in his career. And I said to him, I just said, listen, man, you're going to, you're going to forget something out there. Like we give you the game plan. It's something to hold on to, but you're, you're going to forget something. Just, just hoop, just attack the rim, shoot the ball, drive the ball, block a shot. If you miss a shot or you turn it over, run back, play defense. Like don't, don't overthink this thing. It's, it's not a game of perfect. And he just is one of those guys over the course of 40 minutes or the course of 48 minutes, he's going to do way more good than anything else. And he's always going to put a premium on winning. He wants that team to win more so than he's worried about himself. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is extremely important for everybody, in my opinion. Therapy is extremely important for everybody. No matter what you are going through, therapy can help you. Your problem is not too big. And this is more important, in my opinion. Your problems are not too small. See, I was someone with therapy that that didn't think that my problems were a big deal or I, I didn't have any like weighing depression issues or or suicidal issues or anything of the extreme. But I did, of course, have my problems and have my issues. And uh, my marriage had the problems and issues that we needed to talk about. That's why therapy was so important for me. I finally gave therapy a try during COVID, believe it or not. And I'm still seeing my therapist today. Uh, I uh, very much enjoy and look forward to my therapy sessions every single month. Therapy is phenomenal, and you need to give it a try at least once or twice just to talk through some of your issues uh, and see if you can get the help that you don't even know that you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. And it's important that you find and match with the therapist that is perfect for you. You can find more balance to your overall life with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on NBA. What, what was your overall takeaways or just your thoughts and, and, and breakdowns of his performance over the course of the seven-game series with the Golden State Warriors? Because the first three games, he struggled, didn't really make much of an impact. It seemed like game four, that switch really flipped for him. He kind of figured things out. And over the remainder of the series, he was arguably the second-best player on the Sacramento Kings for the remainder of that series. my fa- I, I watched him start game five, and his first two baskets that he scored were in transition, putting his shoulder down, going right into the chest of the defense and scoring at the rim. And then he started to establish his outside shot, which was really exciting for me. Now, unfortunately, in that game, he was the hottest king to start the game, and then the Kings didn't get him a shot for the other three quarters, which made no sense to me. I'm sure some of that was on Keegan, some of that was on the team, but whatever. But over the course of the series, we really saw the development and maturity of Keegan and we saw him figure it out. What was your perspective on his play over that seven-game series? I, I looked at it like this. 
they have a, a pretty impressive collection of talent. And it might be, okay, well, you know, Keegan didn't do much today. Well, maybe that's because Malik Monk had a big game mm. and he played more or Kevin Herter had a big game and he played more. And then the next game, you know, Keegan gets going and he plays more. I mean, that's what, that's what the great teams have. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he'll be at his best. I think when he's, when he's, driving the ball, putting his shoulder into you and scoring near the basket, which sets up his pull-up game and his three ball. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of guys on that team that want to eat. And 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 they're capable of getting a bucket at any time. And you think about it, a lot of times you only have one or two guys you can ISO. They've got plenty of guys that have that ability. And I think Keegan's one of them. But uh, I think that's the beauty of who they are. And the beauty of him, because... You know, he's not going to be sulking because he had two games where he didn't get as many shots or play as many minutes. All right, coach, you play me more minutes the next game, I'll get 23. And and that's that's why I love him, and I think that's why Mike loves him. He, I wasn't sure over the first three games, and I was talking about it on the podcast, like when he was struggling, it was like, is it is it the moment? Is it like you're talking about the playing time? Is it what the Golden State Warriors are doing, trying to take him away? And, and I had to think back to – this is a rookie playing against the defending champions on the biggest stage that you can play in. And, and he deserves the time to figure it out. Heck, just like so many other players or five or six players on the Kings that this was their first playoff series ever. Keegan just so happens to be a rookie uh, going through this uh, and figuring it out. But one thing that, that stood out to me is Keegan lived up to his word. And what I mean by that is all season long, he's been telling us, Hey, I, I, I always have confidence. Like I always have confidence in my ability. And he continued to shoot the basketball and shoot off the dribble and, and, and take shots and, and execute his game plan. Even if the shots weren't falling the entire playoff series. And then finally those just started to drop. What did you see about the confidence of Keegan Murray and his, the fearlessness of a rookie against the defending champs on that stage to just keep shooting his work as, and work his way through it. I'm sure it helped him that his teammates and his coaches were telling him, Hey, just we'll live with it. Keep shooting. Well, I think you're right. I think that's absolutely critical that you get that kind of support from your coaching staff and your teammates, especially the veteran guys. So clearly that happened. But again, you know, I know him. I've known him since fourth grade. He doesn't rattle. You know, he is going to be phenomenally respectful of what the Golden State Warriors have done, who's on that roster. I mean, he knows who Draymond Green is. Okay, but you know, he's still going to attack and he's still going to be aggressive and he's still going to be confident enough in his own skin to go make plays. And 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 that's why I love him. And that's why I think, like you said, when we started this whole discussion, is like, okay, let's look at what he is. Let's look at who he is. But where's he going? Mm-hmm. And I think we all can agree that there's more in there. I mean, you know, like he was really good. All rookie team set a record. It's hard to set records in that league, okay? But now, all right, you know, can you be a 20 and, and, and 8, 20 and 9 guy and, 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 and be on the all-star team? The answer to that question is yes. DeMontis Sabonis really seemed to take Keegan under his wing too and work with him a lot. And and Sabonis is a very animated player on the floor, off the floor, quiet, one of the nicest players on the planet. Uh, but on the floor, you could see Sabonis – sometimes pull him aside and tell him what he needs to do. But after good plays, wrap his arm around him. What do you think that relationship did for Keegan and and uh, what Sabonis could bring for Keegan? 
I, I just think that is awesome. When you see that, you know, a guy the caliber of Sabonis with what he's accomplished, you know, really caring about his teammates and recognizing that, hey, we need this guy. We need this guy to come through for us, and I can help him. And that's what he did. Uh, he stepped up as a veteran should and and encouraged him and helped build his confidence. And he was a different player because of it. And and the beauty of that is now, you know, a couple of years from now, Keegan will be doing that for somebody else. And and that's that's quite frankly how it's supposed to work, right? I, I wanted to get your perspective on Sacramento Kings basketball now that you followed it a, a, a little bit closer. Not necessarily what the guys are doing on the floor, but kind of the atmosphere. Because Keegan Murray happens to be part of the team that finally brings the Sacramento Kings back to the playoffs. How quickly Mike Brown and Monty McNair and that organization uh, turned things around after the longest NBA drought in, in, in playoff history. But, I mean, we have Iowa fans that were showing up to Sacramento Kings games in Sacramento. So many of the, I was trying to look it up to describe it correctly, but the Iowa yellow half and then half Sacramento Kings purple Keegan Murray jerseys that we saw rocking out there. And I have to find out where they are so I can pick up one because they're really, really clean. But Iowa fans really embraced Sacramento Kings basketball and became part of this this fan base that never really went anywhere, is so well known and finally was back on the national uh, showcase uh, with, with the playoffs. But what did you think of just and maybe even comparing Sacramento Kings basketball? Uh, De'Aaron Fox is called... Sacramento, like a college town, very similar to to Kentucky with the crowd and it being kind of a one major sports town and how they embrace the Kings. I was just curious your perspective on what Kings basketball was this year that Keegan got to be a part of. Well, you know, I've always been impressed with that fan base. I mean, going back to the uh, Chris Weber days, you know, Stoyakovic, you know, they had some really good teams and they stayed loyal even when they weren't making the playoffs. I mean, they're showing up and it's loud and it's an incredible atmosphere, uh, awesome atmosphere, quite frankly. So uh, to see Keegan become part of that and be part of that growth and see that community really embrace this team and love this team, that was that was something to really see. And, you know, I, I think I would have predicted that the Iowa fans – act the way they did. And uh, I think for a couple reasons, because, you know, they look as much as Keegan's a Hawkeye. All right. He's, he's one of their own, you know, dad played here. He grew up in Cedar Rapids, you know, from kindergarten on, he's coming to Carver Hawkeye arena. And then one day be able to wear that Jersey and that'd be the highest draft pick ever. And he goes, we've had a lot of we had a lot of first round picks here, mm-hmm. but nobody was number four. And and also to be a humble character guy the way he is, uh, you just have everybody rooting for him. And and that city was ready to explode with what that team did this year. And I think you're right. I mean, you may there's a lot of things that came together, but you know, I, I like I said, when I when I I probably spent 20 minutes talking with coach Brown in this, in the summer in Vegas. And I said, you know, of course, I mean, he's had a terrific career and won a couple of rings, you know, as an assistant coach. So you kind of could see where this thing was headed, but he had the right personality, the right temperament, the right experience for that team. 
Uh, you know, Monty was phenomenal. I mean, this thorough job as I've seen from an entire staff of people going through the process and figuring out, okay, we're we going to take Keegan. And when you're picking four, there's a number of guys you're looking at. And there's so many things that factor into, okay, why do we pick him? Because you don't want to screw up the fourth pick. Hmm. You don't want to be like, hey, they took him four. Look who went eight. And, you know, they talk about it for 15 years. You know, so uh, those guys did their homework. And they put a team together that's going to be fun to watch for a long time. And uh, I'm thrilled for Keegan to be a, such a major part of it. It'd be interesting to see if they could end up getting Chris. That would be fun, too. That leads perfectly into what I was about to ask you before I let you go. So Chris Murray, it's the cycle starts again. And uh, Keegan, I asked Keegan in his exit interview about what he's going to do with Chris or what he, how he's paying attention with Chris. And he said he's like the next day he was starting to work out with Chris and help Chris with the combine process and everything like that. And Chris really uh, emerged and Sacramento Kings fans have been keeping close tabs on Chris Murray and his season. Now the Kings are in a little different position now that they made the playoffs. They're not a lottery team, which is a welcome sight here, even though it kind of, it's a different kind of summer for us. So the general belief is that Chris is probably not going to be there when the Sacramento Kings are selecting, although fingers are crossed that all other teams maybe miss on uh, on Chris or just don't pay attention or forget about him a little bit. But I'm just wanting to get your perspective on Chris and the kind of player that he is and how he could help the Sacramento Kings or any NBA team and what he's going to bring to the NBA this year. Well, the interesting thing for him, uh, actually for both, they're constantly being compared with each other. And it's understandable. They're identical twins. Uh, and they're best of friends. I mean, they they give each other a hard time. It's hilarious to watch. But, I mean, they're as close as two brothers could possibly be. So, obviously, Keegan's really hoping for the best for his brother. It'd be really interesting and cool to see them play together. But I think when you look at Chris, and and I've always viewed them as different. And yes, there are similarities. They're about the same size. They can both shoot threes. They're both versatile. They both have similar personalities, not identical, uh, but similar in terms of incredibly mature, zero maintenance, hard workers, great teammates. Uh, But their games are a little bit different. Uh, And I I think Chris really wanted the opportunity to play this year without Keegan. It would have been easy for him to take a two-way. He would have gotten a two-way last year. You know, Keegan goes four. Chris would have probably gone in the second round somewhere and have would have been guaranteed a two-way deal. Most college kids now take a two-way deal if you're offered one. Mm-hmm. He said, no, I'm going to go back. I want to do this myself, and I want to be a first-round pick. So I am so proud of him for that. Uh, taking that stand and, you know, I'm proud of his agent for not saying, yo, man, take the money. He's like, no, bet on yourself, go back to school, be a first round pick. And that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, it would be awesome to have them both on the same team. You know, it would be awesome to have them not on the same team and and just kind of create and carve their own path where they are. So uh, I'm just excited for him, you know, when the draft comes, because he's going to go in the first round. Uh, you know, maybe late lottery, but if not, right after that. 
Well, coach, I mentioned a lot of Iowa fans became Kings fans this year, but also the opposite happened. A lot of Kings fans became Iowa fans because of the amazing job that you did with Keegan preparing him to have as much success as he had here in Sacramento. And that's why there's such an eagerness to bring Chris in because he's an Iowa product as well. So congratulations to you for the work that you've done. Uh, what Keegan does is a testament to your program as well to have you back here on, on, on the Lockdown Kings podcast for the third time. And in, in basically a year is a real treat for me. I also got to speak with you and spend some time with you in Vegas a little bit. Hope to see you again. Uh, but I appreciate you. Thanks for what you did. And uh, you're always welcome in Sacramento to come catch a game in person in the Golden Ones. Well, I, I, I have to do that, man. I, I have to get out there. I look forward to seeing you again this summer i will be in vegas uh supporting both keegan and chris uh i doubt what keegan will be playing this summer but chris will be uh but it was great to see you i you know i got a chance to see monty out there and like i said coach brown so look forward to seeing those guys again and we're all kings fans here we appreciate you guys being hawk fans and uh hey let's do this again next year hopefully chris will be uh be a king we'll see it was a pleasure having Coach McCaffrey back here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Hope to do it again in the future. Maybe after we're talking about Chris Murray being a king, how cool would that be? You know, I had a conversation with Scott Moak, the PA announcer for the Sacramento Kings. I might have shared this before. I can't remember. Uh, he's the voice that you hear during the intro of the Locked on Kings podcast. And of course, the amazing voice that you hear ringing through the Golden One Center. Uh, Scott was sharing... Or, or I was chatting with him, and, and of course he does the crit or Keegan Murray, the the call and response with the Kings crowd that everybody loves so much. And I was asking him if the Kings draft Chris, Chris doesn't have two syllables in his first name. Does Chris not get the Keegan Murray chant treatment? And and and, and he was telling me like, no, he, he wouldn't. It doesn't work. So I don't know if, if that could fly. If Keegan Murray's getting the Keegan Murray call and response chant, and then, of course, Scott would still uh, embellish Chris Murray's name in a fun way, but Chris doesn't get the same treatment, I think we would have to find a way to add another syllable to Chris's first name just so we could do the call and response with Chris as well. But it would be it'd be really cool to have Chris here in Sacramento. And if it's the right pick for Monty McNair and he's there, you know, of course, Monty will make that pick or maybe he trades the pick. We'll have to wait and see what he does with this offseason. And of course, for continued coverage of this offseason, no matter what the Kings do around the draft, around free agency, uh, with uh, uh, trades and things like that, uh, summer league, uh, everything this offseason. We, of course, will keep close tabs of here on the Locked on Kings podcast. I hope you enjoyed that in interview with uh, Fran Murray, uh, Fran, Fran Murray, Fran McCaffrey, uh, and I hope you'll continue to join me for future interviews and future episodes over the course of the remainder of this offseason. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 